0: Hey, everybody. The Con artist here. We're back for more of our summer bi-weekly podcast. But before we get into anything, most importantly, <gasps> it it was my birthday the other day.
1: Happy birthday, happy, oh, birthday. happy birthday.
0: Yay! Shameless plug to me. Ta-da. Okay. Uh, guys, disclaimer, as with a lot of our podcasts, there's going to be spoilers galore for the episodes that we talk about. So if you're oh, very yep. sensitive to spoilers, please save this podcast for another time. All right. So let's just roll right into Vatican Miracle Worker Vatican, Scooby Doo, with whatever. Hmm? Scooby Doo, Trinity Blood, Jackie Chan Adventures, yeah. Baby Hitler's Go. Uh,
1: no more Baby Hitler's. So, so sad for that. Um, but yeah, that was mi- Vatican... I thought I was going to. That was like you. the
0: pinnacle of the show. It's all downhill from oh, yeah, here. Oh, absolutely.
1: Um, but uh, Vatican miracle examiners ripped episode uh, seven here, and they have just concluded their second full arc after a bunch hmm. of uh, filler episodes in the previous bit. Um, as I mentioned before, our main characters are in Africa investigating uh, what may or may not be the uh, what's the word for it the snake incorrupt cult? body of a saint of a saint, but there is also a snake cult. Um, turns goodness. out the snake cult was a red herring being used by some of the uh, priests, some of the priests and other people at this church. To make it look like this dude was a saint when he was really just a crazy man spouting off a bunch of prophecies, which his murderous accomplices then proceeded to have happen in real life. Uh, so,
0: All right. everything you say is nonsense. Oh, that's <laughs> n- every time you talk but Dan, about this show.
1: To
2: what end, Daniel? The
1: whole deeper what, and deeper to what end we really don't know as far as we can tell the dude was just crazy but there is also but one of the people who was supposedly murder, murdered murdered uh, this father Julia this impossibly beautiful man who somehow managed to attain the rank of I don't even know what uh, and be in charge of an entire uh, you know an entire church in this mission um, the person who was murdered was some kind of body double for him. So they're trying to wow. figure out where the heck he went. He was apparently a descendant of this Bourbonna dynasty, this ancient alchemical family in uh, medieval France, which somehow factored into all of the things going on. Um, I hope this turns but- into Sinfo gear. Oh Jesus! No Yeah, I've... I
0: mean, I've, I'm about to say we're about to transition like right into Symphogear. At the end, Dan, you need to end with, and that's how the Bavarian Illuminati was. Born. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the Bavarian Illuminati will. There.
1: I'm pretty sure the Bavarian Illuminati will be involved at some point or another. The fact okay, that they haven't goodness. gotten to them yet is just a matter of padding it out till till the next arc. Um, but oh wow, the one of the characters has like this vision quest after being bitten by a poisonous snake, and he like. He see he he oh, how to even begin? He remembers memories that he had repressed, which allow him to solve the case because it turns out the crazy man who was basically trying to pass himself on off as some kind of saint was his father who had murdered oh, his yes. who had murdered yes. his mother and fled the country to take up a take up a life in service to God, but was still a crazy murderer guy, hence all of the prophecies and like murder by association.
2: And this had never come up before between the two of the main characters.
1: Not until um not until this particular arc, no. Like we knew hmm. the other dude had a mysterious and almost certainly tragic past. Uh, whereas the other character has uh, his younger brother with quote terrible bone cancer end quote terrible bone cancer oh
0: geez but, uh, well you know what at least it's named so it's not Japanese super oh yeah it's not the mis- it's not the mysterious the
1: wasting illness that gets every uh, family member yeah and their you know dog. what I
0: think that illness only afflicts women most of the time almost certainly so Japanese super fever is is a women's disease
1: generally yes. But uh, yeah, so they exposed this guy it was not actually a saint, his accomplices murdered a whole bunch of people, and now there's another like ongoing mystery to solve, uh, and our two friends are still bros, even though they had to totally like pretend to lie to each other and be jerks to uh, progress the plot. It- It was very confusing and very poorly arranged. The entire thing is just...
2: Vatican Miracle Examiners
1: poorly arranged? No.
0: Yeah, it's it's fine, Uh, Dan. In the end, it was just like Mr. Green with the wrench in the billiard room or whatever. If
1: only it could have been that simple. And they had not managed to involve an ancient French alchemical family, the CIA, a sky burial, a snake cult and, like, imposter, like, black magic mumbo-jumbo, all in one thing, all to... S- you know,
0: I'm starting uh, to get real mad, because you're starting to have spoilers for Symphogear. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, literally almost all of those things, except Snake Cult, are, like, things I could pull out of seasons one through four. <laughs> Give it
1: till season five.
0: <laughs> yeah, which is already greenlit, by the way. Yes. <laughs> of
1: Thank goodness Speak- for that. Speaking of which, segue...
0: There we go. All right, I can segue right into Symphogear. Let's let's do it. All right, so um, I'm only going to be talking about episode seven this time around, uh, but there's so much to talk about, so it's totally fine. There's a lot. Um, Hibiki is, is trying to make progress in making friends because that's what she does with the enemy. That's all she so ever does. Fr- her power yeah, is right. holding so like, hands, everyone. Right, her power is holding hands, so she's just like, that's what I'm going to do. So she tries to appeal to Saint Germain, and it's the same exact argument that she had with Shirabe in season three, where St. Germain is like, you couldn't possibly understand me. I'm so alone on this mountaintop of whatever the heck I'm fighting for. So, you know, it's it, it doesn't work. But at any rate, what, what you need to know about Symphogear at this very moment is that the enemy wants to claim the lunar ruins mm. to destroy the curse of Balal and free mankind. Didn't I'm not even going to tell them? you what any of that means. But that sure is a thing but, that's but going on in the plot.
2: Viewers paying attention since season one will recognize them pulling something out of their hat from all the way back then.
0: Yes, you, you will recognize. They have not, by the is, way, been building... Secretly u- been building, sort of?
1: They have not actually been building up to this, but they like to pretend they have been.
0: Like <laughs> like I said, you can pull plot threads out of absolutely nowhere and somehow get somewhere. So Sinfogear is doing just that, but... Here. Dan, that's not even the best part. <laughs> Let me just tell you, that's not even the best part of episode seven. Well, if it's so, not a
1: snake cult, why are we talking about it?
0: Okay, all right, wait, wait, wait. I mean, I almost got something baby Hitler like here.
1: Oh, so Uh-oh.
0: right, get ready for it. So the the enemy has the ability to break through. In season three, uh, the Symphogears get powered up with something called the Ignite Module, and so the Bavarian Illuminati have the ability to break through the Ignite module, and that leaves our heroines in dire peril. So they're like, man, we need a way to like power up and counteract this. Get ready for this. So in season three, I believe it was, two or three. three I think it I think. actually
2: might go all the way back to two because it involved the like Miku doing stuff.
0: Yeah, a little bit. But in, in three specifically, Hibiki almost dies because it turns out... Uh, there's a shard of that. The reason Hibiki can become a Symphogear user is she has embedded a shard of Gunir, which is her gear, in her chest. You find out in season three; they totally pull this plotline out of nowhere that she's dying because it's crystallizing parts yeah, of her of, body. Of, of terrible so time... Tony
2: Stark-related illnesses.
1: All right, let's yeah,
0: exactly. So let's move through the back. Let's let, move through the
1: backstory at a pace because once again, if we get bogged down in this, we will never hear the end of it.
0: Right, but this you actually need. Okay. It's that much nonsense, you need this. So she, she ends up, like, crystallizing, and at one point she, like, almost dies to save Miku, and she's, like, super crystallizing out of her face and everything. So she ends up in the hospital, she gets saved, and this tiny, tiny little piece of scab crystal falls off of her. They collect it, and they just put it in a Petri dish and walk off. This happens in season three. And now, Dan, there is a callback to this little thing. They're like, you know what? The Philosopher's Stone is built on the philosophy that it is all one life. That little thingamajig that fell off Hibiki is built out of a single life. If we use the properties of this scab thing, we can boot the Symphogear to a higher level and achieve greatness. And so they go to an underwater base to find a tiny petri dish filled with a scab from Hibiki from season three. So ladies and gentlemen, Symphogear, best show of the season. Y'all should watch this. (laughs) I guess I'll just end with the fact that there's a cool song with Shirabe and Kirika. Yeah, that was really um, good. That was neat. In season two, I believe, they they sang this really, really awesome song called Edgeworks of a Goddess where they sing together and their song actually like weaves into one another and they're singing to each other but also singing united um this one was way more sexual if you watch the lyrics uh Mm. the other one is is kind of them trying to come to terms with their own emotions Uh, this one is definitely like it has lyrics like her skin on mine i feel her next to me like this one is very emotional and i laughed really hard because at the end they they're holding hands and they're like we'll never let go of each other and chris is like jesus get a room i can't stand you two.
2: (laughs) thank you for keeping it real chris
0: yeah chris at least chris is keeping it real but anyway Symphogear is hella tight. Y'all should watch this show. <laughs> Y'all should watch this show. The ending leaves you on a cliffhanger, and it let's let's just see what comes out, guys. Stay tuned for next time. Aye.
2: So that takes us to what do you got, Brendan?
3: Uh, snake cults.
0: Yeah, Brendan, how's it going? With snake the, cults. Oh, the boy. romance with oh. Brendan. Wait, there's snake cults now?
3: Uh, there is in Centaur's worries. <laughs>
0: Uh, <laughs> what
3: tell me more <laughs> the, about- well, we
0: got the name of this episode in the bag guys
3: <laughs> <laughs> the um so in addition to uh, centaur people and then all manner of like goat people cat people demon people and like angel people who actually have halos which are apparently made out of hair that just sort of like grows up and like there's a little connecting hair and then it just sort of like there's a ring of, of like hair that's the same color as their as the rest of their hair there it's really odd uh, and mer people who have a really disturbing thigh gap. Um, in what? addition to all the, <laughs> I
0: saw an image of this, and it was just like, how how does that even work? It's really awkward. That's
1: unsettling. It is, is
3: isn't it? No, but uh, in addition to that, there are also like snake looking people. Okay. And they who apparently uh, hail from Antarctica, or Wait. at least
0: <laughs> no, everyone go on. everyone has the same Dan. question. This is so perfect. Yeah, okay. Like,
3: it's it's true, like the. They have some sort of environment. Is control. your question
0: when is the spin-off starring Antarctic and snake people?
3: <laughs> Wasn't there an X-Men
1: no. run about this? Good Maybe. Grief.
0: Anyway, Brendan, Probably. do go on.
3: Um uh, but, uh, and like the there were there's uh legends, I guess, from different parts of the world that like the they used to have underground cities throughout most of the world.
2: Lizard people from the yeah. center of the earth.
3: Kind of. From the center
0: of Antarctica? Well, from
3: underground, or? right? That's towards where the center of the Earth is. Yeah, And maybe sure. it was just like, you know, one, one could imagine that, like, the Antarctica was just, as civilization elsewhere was progressing, they were just sort of, like, backing up. And then they just ended up, you know, when they made, like, real contact with it, the uh, modern nations, they're like, oh, well, I mean, we live in Antarctica, so, like, okay, that's your territory. And, uh... Yeah, it's 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 weird. Like the uh, there's an Antarctican girl, I guess, like that that comes to go to the school that like cultural the main characters exchange? go to. Yeah, kind of cultural exchange. We're not a hundred percent sure why she's there. Uh, and the um, like, she mentions that they are they're not really snake people. Like they don't have they're not reptilian. They According to the geneticists that they have on hand, they are more closely related to birds. But the weird part is that they're like the the way in which their uh, kind pro, pro creates yeah procreates is that it's it's more closer to bees. What like she's a drone basically like they have a queen who lays all of their eggs. So
0: do they come out fully grown like bees?
3: No, she had to like raise the uh, generation that was younger than her or like Heck. like there was a there was another like, antarctic in that she was primarily in charge of like bringing up when she was a little bit younger and
0: the show is so much more complicated than i ever would have imagined it? it's very yes. strange
3: like what are the uh <laughs> and and it's not like the, all the the political stuff is kind of fun to keep track of too because everybody's on watch for like hate crimes basically or the equivalent thereof like discrimination is a a, uh, a bad word.
2: Like, an arrestable offense of like, right, every, any kind. Like, uh.
3: And she has some sort of, like, diplomatic... Uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Security detail? Because she's such an unusual and, in many ways, feared like kind of person.
0: Now, Brendan, are we dipping into, like, uncomfortable territory with this show? Like, does no one have opinions or original thoughts? Because the Not, government is, uh, like, like, super they... controlling?
1: not really it's just like, about these uh animal people yeah it's like it's
0: but like every time it's just like there's no discrimination and there's no like, that that's a like, we can't a, say something subtle, that could be interpreted un- as discriminatory and like that happens all the time by accident i feel yeah. like in everyday life like
3: there's a little bit of leeway and most people are like have uh good enough like head on their shoulders and aren't you know actively trying to be jerks uh that like or at least in the show they've gotten to the point where not a lot of people are really bad about it hmm. uh like you know they still have yeah like like their lives are basically indistinguishable from like most people's lives except for like they yeah they sort of watch their tongues every now and again hmm. and uh <laughs> And there's this great scene um, where an American vessel went down somewhere near Antarctica, so tensions were heating up between them and, and the Antarcticans, like whatever the heck America people is made out of, and uh, the uh, the Antarctican girl whose name is Sasasul, uh, Sasasul Quetzalcoatl of course, hence you know snake cults, uh, like gets sort of anxious about this, and so she starts wearing one of those, um... uh What's that? It's kind of like a bandana or like a babushka? Is that the right word?
2: Oh, like the like, it, the, like the thieves sort of like face covering that's like a tied thing under your nose or something?
3: Uh, well, you can use it like that, but more like the old Russian like grandmoth kind of thing where you wear yeah, it okay. over your head. Mm-hmm. But the thing is like snake people are like eight feet tall, <laughs> and they have giant, like, <laughs> the Antarctic people have giant, like, snake-like heads. So she's out there like wearing this little thing around her head. When the, some of the other characters see her, and you know, like they, they ask her like what's going on, and one of them like but it's says, not
0: quite a full hijab. It's no, no, of, no like, not a, even the clo- Russian. No, yeah,
3: it's it's just like a like a little like headkerchief. Okay, okay, like, which is is doing nothing to hide the fact that like she's this huge black uh, snake looking person. And like one of the characters is like come closer, like bring your head closer to me, and she's like bonks her on the forehead with her arm, like hand. Is like this is just making you stand out more. And but in the like in the very next shot, it it zooms out and you can see three dudes halfway with guns out of hidden holsters.
0: Wow. Okay. Like slowly
3: putting them back as they like determine that this is not assault.
0: <laughs> Jeez, man. Were those her, were those Government her diplomatic Rangers detail? Are like- Hiding yeah. in the bushes.
3: Yeah, it's they're plainclothes officers that are sort of are uh, around her.
2: Yeah, the show is like ninety-five percent normal high school antics with animal people and five percent like fascist government oversight of your thoughts. It's a very strange balance.
0: Sounds like it because that sounds like two things that would never mesh.
3: Mm, it's doing okay for itself.
0: Okay, you guys seem to enjoy it, so it's clearly doing something right. Hmm. All right. man all right other stuff so going still on good or? then brendan
3: yeah let's let's move on
2: very good so i'll uh, cover a uh, restaurant to another world this will be episodes of nine and ten as usual they are pretty simple episodes that i can kind of summarize quickly uh the first half of nine one dwarf leads another one to go have beer whiskey and seafood at the restaurant uh, the other dwarfs like what the heck why are you taking me to the mountains to like eat seafood you're the worst uh, but then they get there and the food's awesome, as always. And uh, they're actually like, one of them's like a glassmaker, so he admires the quality of the glass they're drinking the beer out of. Uh, that's pretty much the first half of the episode, is is that happening. Uh, and the second half is like, like there's, there's this desert country, like the largest country, but it's largely desert. And their prince has brought back uh, the idea of iced coffee. Uh, the desert people in general have a lot of mages because, like, living in the deserts, desert is difficult. So they developed a lot of, like, magery. So the idea of iced coffee is spreading, like, rapidly and becoming a major export of their country. Uh,
0: still not as good as bread.
2: Still not as good as bread. And their their side story is that their prince is in love with essentially one of the princesses from the, like, the Western-style continent, who is one of the regulars at the, the restaurant. So they're thousands of miles apart in real life, and he's making, like, slow diplomatic overtures by trade ships and all this other stuff uh but he actually kind of gets a chance to meet her in person uh in the in the restaurant so they're whatever i mean he's at the super shy stage or whatever but it's kind of interesting to see how the existence of the restaurant is changing diplomacy in this other country uh i mean that's about it for nine uh in ten there's a group of like fairy folk like really small fairies with wings and so on and uh a door kind of appears near them so they come on in and uh Someone recommends crepes, so they eat crepes. Like they, you know, cut them up into little pieces, and they all enjoy tiny little crepes and fruit and stuff. Uh, and then very soon, this becomes a the staple. The Cutest
0: crepes ever! They were
2: adorable. Uh, and then, of course, the fairies eating them were also adorable. Uh, this is now a staple of their culture, and the debates about what kind of stuff to get in the crepes are like pretty important. Like the person's like, "Oh my goodness, we have to go quickly, my queen! Like you have to lead them through the gate. There's gonna be a riot soon if we don't get to go in and have more crepes." <laughs>
0: Wow. Okay. Uh,
2: and let's see. Oh, and then the other half of episode 10 is the, the elf from the previous episode that's like, c- couldn't believe that humans could make food that elves would enjoy and has decided to go on a quest of her own to become a great chef. Like we're back with her and she visits some other elf who is said to like have, you know, neat cooking stuff. And because of his time in the restaurant, he's trying to learn how to make essentially natto, like fermented Japanese beans uh, using elven beans, like making his own version of, of, of natto in their own world. And so they talk about that for a while and they go to the restaurant and then she's like experiments with taste. And she's like, you know, what if we tried natto with the rice that I have before and figures out that that tastes delicious? Uh, and then they get back and the guy's like, hey, you know that the Western continent like produces rice in the fantasy world, right? And she's like, what? I'm going on another journey. It's time to go find rice in our world. So like her her story continues, basically. Huh.
0: I really hope that all just wraps itself back around, and she's secretly deedlit from like Record of Lotus War.
2: <laughs> that would be that would be really something. I think deedlit liked the jewelry more than she liked the food, but it'd be kind of fun. Oh yeah, true. Deedlet but she was, was something just a like problem child.
1: But she was something like eight hundred or a thousand years old or whatever. So uh, that's hey. true, and uh, which was
0: young for a high elf.
2: Right, so. and this character's about a hundred, a like, little over hundred years old. So she's pretty young I'm by telling her, you, by man.
0: Standards. It, it could happen. Yeah. It could happen. Deedlit. Every, every one of our shows is going to wrap into themselves. That like would figure be eights.
2: pretty awesome. But, I mean, that's about it for Restaurant to the World. Still enjoyable. Still liking the food. Uh, good stuff.
1: All right. What
2: do you got for us, Dan?
1: I guess that brings us back. Uh, since I dropped off on uh, Princess Principle, I've been taking back up with uh, Shokoku no Altair. And uh, eh, the latest episode was kind of a letdown, but overall it's still maintaining a decent pace. Uh, after the battle for that port city that was sort of like ancient Greece by way of Phoenicia, uh, they, the defenders got absolutely rolled. the uh, The empire pulled some like deceptive tactics, got a ship into their harbor as a distraction, and then a bunch of mountain troops like came down from these crystal cliffs on the other side. It was all it was all fairly clever, but the show also couldn't stop banging on about just how clever it was. Like there's this extended to- there's this extended thing where. They've they've got one entrance to the harbor that's still sort of open, but they have these huge chains across it to stop uh, enemy ships from getting in. And a bunch of deserters come th- uh, want to come through and are like making a break for it. And they're like, "All right, if we lower the chains, they're in a sh- they're in this really like low draft boat, so we can get those chains back up before the en- the empire's big ships have get get in there." And there's this dude like furiously calculating out how long it's gonna take, but then like. Just things keep happening. It's like, oh no, the enemy ship has actually like thrown off all of their ballast, so they're shallower than they should have been. We need to be fat. We need to be faster. Then they have a tailwind, so this is gonna throw everything off. And it's just so overly dramatic that it almost comes around to feeling like contrived. It's not like, oh, they did this clever thing and we're able to make it past. It's like no, like these. 50 different things had these stars had to align in order for this to work out and
0: this sounds like the omake episode you know they throw in when you buy the dvd Uh and it's just a bunch of chibi guys on a boat being like we're clever we're clever we're clever look at us so clever oh no we're tailwind we're clever it's fine like they write a doofy like pun song that all somehow just wraps back to the word clever and they have to fight like these nonsensical things that are overly dramatic but they're cute for like a chibi cartoon i don't know mm. about
1: all of that but it certainly was really th- pleased with itself and that kind of grated on me after and don't forget
2: dan it's not just the show was pleased with itself it's the Mr. Louie who is uh, so pleased with it. like there's one guy behind like masterminding this entire thing from a thousand miles away and, and somehow he's just he, so happy.
1: Yeah, always knows exactly what's going on thousands of miles away. Just,
0: he's that guy from uh, Arslan who always gets it right. Narciss. He's,
2: yeah, basically if Narciss was on the bad guy team.
0: Narcissus. Yeah, That's, except yeah. that Narciss
1: like like was Louis. at least like on the battlefield to observe this kind of thing and could have conceivably like made plans. Like Louis is doing this for, uh, remotely as far as we can tell. Uh but anyway. It's
0: fine, Dan. He has like Google Maps. It's uh, cool.
1: Yeah, he's got he's the just,
2: smartphone from another world.
1: He's just got a, yeah, yeah, yeah. ch- a chessboard. The show isn't going to pull anything like that, I don't think. But in any case, so the city goes down with barely a fight. And really it was just like, wow, you guys folded like a deck of, like a bad hand. This place is this place was not up for this war. So uh, Mammoth Bey, our main character, who's been on this journey, manages to escape barely and is taken in by this uh, one nation that's basically Venice, but not. Uh, this, it's all about trade and everything. They were supposed to come to the aid of the Greek folks, but didn't because they saw which way the wind was blowing and decided, well, we're going to abide by the letter of our treaty, which says we have to organize a fleet, but not actually show up. So so clever. They were a bunch of jerks, but it turns out like there's you know they have reason they have reasons for this. They're trying not to rock the boat. They're you know they'll take up arms against ah. the evil empire if they uh, if they show up, but they aren't going to put themselves uh, on the line for a lost cause. And they try to go into this whole you know moral shades of gray and everything. And it's like you guys are still pretty big jerks about all of this. Then they like rush to introduce another character so that Mahmud can like bring his uh, start getting his posse together. Everything in that uh, episode, this was episodes, um, let me see, uh, six through eight, because there was a bit of a break in there. But uh, everything felt really rushed in that last episode. Like, we barely had any time to register these characters or sort of get uh, get all of our ducks in a row before it was time to boot us out and, you know, our journey continues kind of deal. And that's what I kind of worry about. Like, the show... Like Arslan, for all of its faults, took its time with things for the most part. Sometimes too much, but overall, it was actually not terribly paced. I thought could have stood could have stood to be a little bit quicker in some. Could have stood to be to take a little more time in others. But the overall average wasn't bad. This show is just like boom, boom, boom. We got to get moving in these last few episodes. And uh, I feel that maybe so it's
0: gone back to the way it was really early on. Yeah, because you were kind of frustrated with just how breakneck it was in the early phases.
1: Exactly, and I worry that they might be falling back on that after taking a little bit more time to deal with the uh, fallout from this battle that uh, our main character was not really part of, but very much uh, witnessed to. But, yeah, they're, they're relying a lot on contrivance and, like, people happening to be in the same location despite this city being enormous. There's no reason that any of these people should have, like, happened across each other at all. It all sorts of, sort of gets wrapped up in it being this weird quasi-conspiracy thing, but it still really feels like... It feels like the writers are playing with us and trying to make themselves seem more clever than they are. So... I don't know. Like the show isn't bad, still, but it's not really getting anywhere. It's not getting anywhere fast.
0: Well, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, well, let's see. I guess how it turns. out. I mean, you're you like it well and more well enough to keep watching. That's true. So uh, it must be fairly good. I'm interested. By your I
1: am interested to see how it all plays out because they've established that everyone is supposed to at least be fairly clever and pretty uh, on the ball when it comes to everything. So I'll be interested to see how they finally manage to outsmart this, you know, ridiculous, like, narcissist but evil type dude, Minister Louie.
0: Nice. Yeah. That'll be interesting to see. So I'll, I'll take over next only because of your, they tried to compress too much in breakneck pace, because I had, for Welcome to the Ballroom, the episode that stretched one minute into an entire episode. Dragon Ball Z. So you want to talk about taking your time? I had that this time around. So, um, we're at the Tempe Cup. We've been there, I think, since episode 7, I believe. And so, uh, Tatara is starting to kind of push beyond his means. Uh, the the other sort of antagonistic guy, Gaju, is really pushing his buttons. And so, he's just desperate to like outdance this guy. So, he tries... Uh, just every move he knows. So he's making these weird dance compilations of the waltz, the tango. Like he's watched Kyoto and more advanced dancers dance these complicated steps. And because his mind knows how to do it, because he has just this incredible memory for steps, he's doing it. But he hasn't. He doesn't have the body that has the endurance to put up with these steps. So he's burning himself out completely. Uh, and it, he's, he's just really down and out. And he's struggling really hard. So episode 8 is really all about him just kind of desperate to beat Gaju and kind of burning out. And uh, at the end of the episode, I'll be talking about episodes 8 and 9, by the way. Uh, Hyodo shows up. So Super Rival Guy shows up in with crutches and he's like, you're doing this all wrong. It's not about you versus Gaju. This is not a battle of the men. It's a battle of the women. It's a battle of the female partners. That's that's what you need. You need to you're not good enough to beat Gaju. You don't have the height, you don't have the stamina. You just don't have the look and the build. You got to get your female partner to dance as well as Shizuku. That's your task. So in episode 9, uh, they teach us this this concept about dance called the flower and the frame. So they they use the allegory of they're standing in the uh, Tatara and his partner Mako are standing in this hallway and there's this beautifully framed picture of yellow flowers because Mako's in a yellow dress. So the allegory is that the women are the flowers that you're staring at and they are inside of a frame. So in ballroom dance, you as the man, as the leader, must become the frame to which to show off your partner who is the flower. Mm. So they explain this concept and, and Tatara gets into it. And what he does is he shows off Mako so well that the judges only look at her and forget to look at him. Which is probably so this victory. Is the episode. <laughs> Sort of, well, let's see how it goes, because what's interesting is it's really, it It turns out it's judged upon the leader, so the man, and Whoops. how well the couple functions together. Whoops. So he kind of swung too far the other way, so instead of being like, I am all alone, and as the man, I must outdance the other man, he gave it all to his partner, became the ultimate frame that showcased the flower so much she outshined him. And that was the direction he swung the needle. So it was this fascinating, like swinging backwards, and we got to understand the concept and see what was going on. Um, I think just to to not go too deep into the episode, I, I, it's get, it's getting tough to really know what the show wants for itself because we do oh. get more more interesting things about dance, like we learn about the flower in the frame and you know some some other parts about dance itself, but holy cow, like, we've swung so far away from learning how to do any sort of dance. Like, the show is just, so it freeze frames this one minute, they're in the finals now, so it's this one minute dance they're supposed to do that lasts all of episode nine. And it just freezes the camera on various poses and just throws terminology at you. It's like, ronde, quick open reverse, high hold, and you're like, I don't know what half these things are. Can I, can I, I don't know how you can I put got that into here. a Roman
2: cancel and then like combo it up? Like
0: Yeah, exactly. Like double cancel, Roman combo. Don't forget your dust su- loop. You know, foot
2: dust loop, gotta yeah, have a foot dust
0: sweep. loop. Hold Z for shield. Like you don't know what's You're
1: literally drawing me a picture and I don't know what you're talking about.
0: Right. And I mean to be fair, they are like freezing the cameras up top, you get this like orthogonal shot or isometric shot, sorry, of, of these characters, then you kinda get what they're doing. But it's, it's really moved away from teaching you dance, which it was doing so beautifully in the earlier episodes. So I'm not entirely sure what it wants to be and where it in- 100% wants to go. I mean, I will say this. I look forward to it every week because the oh. characters are really likable. And I'm intrigued to see it the way they play off of... The idea of a couple, because it's the only sport I can honestly think of that you have to function as a unit, aside from like synchronized swimming or figure skating. But we had that in Yuri on Ice, and it was more about the individual than it was about the team skate. And this is like, you must function as a unit. So there's a fascinating dynamic at play, but the show needs to really... I think, resolve if it just wants to be a straight-up sports show or if it wants to play up the angle that it's a sports show with a very unique sport, which is ballroom dance. So let's... Uh, we'll have to see how it goes. I look forward to it, but it's diverging far away from being able to teach you a whole lot. So if you're going into it for the ballroom dance, I feel like you're probably disappointed. Oh, Oh, well. Which is too bad. Yeah. But... Yeah, one minute a whole episode, guys. So that's DBZ style timing right there. Oof.
3: Hmm.
0: All right, so who's next?
3: Uh, does that come back to me,
0: Brendan? The romance, yeah, yeah. the okay. romance. Oh my. Brendan.
3: I'm also like in addition to almost being caught up on Centaur's worries because of my earlier issues with you know, spending all my time trying to spec out my you know, several hundred dollars of computer parts and being sick, which I still almost am. I've gotten better. Please I have theories. Anyway, I have been trying to uh, keep up with Zuri Children, which, again, like, the show is, uh, like, front to back, maybe, like, 15 minutes long. Uh, one minute of that is opening credits, and there are, like, 25 characters in the op.
0: Wow. Uh, dang.
3: I've started taking notes. Just so I can remember, like, who's been in what episodes. there's, <laughs> like no so far i think there's like nine separate plots uh okay. and there's only f- every Holy every wowza. every episode we go through an episode, uh, like a bit of four of them uh one episode only had three they spent a lot of time on like another like one of the one of the characters or one of the pairs of characters had a like a uh, player 3 enter the game so, so Brendan, I've
0: watched a couple episodes on my lunch break just because they're so short and yeah. you you made it sound kind of fun and adorable. So who's like your favorite couple or maybe your favorite two couples and I guess just talk about their dynamic really quick. Because I think every couple has a different dynamic they're
3: dysfunctional Definitely. at. <laughs> That's true. Um, and uh, I
0: guess why whatever pair is your favorite?
3: Oh man, God, there's so many. Um, I
0: kind of
3: like the... um. The, um oh blast which were the two that were the point blank relationship one they had a really cute opener I think those are the um the two brown haired ones oh uh, Chisa oh and and, and uh, Kana Kana and Chiaki uh,
0: Chiaki Chiaki
3: yeah uh, oh that's right and that one had the one where the mom walked in on them Ooh, which, yeah that uh, was hilarious that was a classic scene uh let's see what did they do recently um. That was a good one. I like the little sister. Oh, my goodness. The episode um, six or seven had this amazing bit where uh, one of the one of the couples, the, the guy's little sister is trying to stop him from like being uh, seduced by some other woman. Uh, so she hacks into his phone while he's in the shower and like tries to like back off of her. But so the girl <laughs> answers, like uh, reads the text, and immediately knows what is going on because of the the tone shift, and she, and she just she starts trolling the little sister, and <laughs> it is amazing.
0: <laughs> that's fine quality because in any other show that would be like my little sister seduced me part. No, X. no,
3: she's not actually like trying to get in yeah. his pants. She's just uh, it, it's.
0: No, I'm saying that's great because in any other terrible show. She would be. Yeah.
3: <laughs> thank you, Euromanga-sensei. Oh, uh,
0: thank you, Orimo.
3: Yes. Yes.
1: But the less said about that, Aww. the better.
3: Um, oh, also, the streams have started crossing. Like, one of the characters that was previously sort of in his own bit, like, appeared in somebody else's bit. Uh, again, the brown-haired ones.
2: Dun-dun-dun!
3: <laughs> I'm like, good lord, how deep is this gonna go? <laughs>
2: Oh, sounds like, the, sounds like an interesting watch. Or at least a complicated one.
3: Uh, Yeah, hang on. What else is good? Uh, there were those two, and then those two, and then the Astronomy Club, and then... Man, those two haven't done a lot in a while. Like, the first two people you see have uh, definitely made the least progress in terms of episode count.
2: Maybe they're like a beginner-ender sort of bookend thing?
3: Oh, that could be. Man,
1: she hasn't come back. Man. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh.
3: There may be entirely too many characters
1: (laughs) in this show. Yeah, there's
0: too many characters. (laughs) Brendan, for next time, you're going to have to have, like, a list of some of your favorites.
3: All righty. I'll do that.
2: Very good. I guess I'll, uh... You good? Yeah. Yeah, so I'll move on to Knights and Magic. This will be episodes nine and ten. And so, just as hoped for by, I'm sure, everyone watching the show, there's an actual honest-to-goodness challenge for Ernesti and company to put all of their ridiculous mechs to use on.
0: Yeah, but he's, like, basically Tenchi, so it's not going to be a good challenge.
2: We will see. So far, it is true. He is still beating them handily. But uh, So this, this nation, Zaladek, it turns out to be the guys that stole the new mechs, like, way back when in Episode 4 or something. And uh, they have used that technology to build, like, a huge number of powerful mechs. And they go to war with their neighbors and just start a wrecking house. Like, they're basically pushing these guys over so fast that no one has a chance to stop them. Uh, as a result, we uh, get to meet a crop of new villains who are going to be sort of, like, the primary antagonists now. And uh, they also capture the princess of a major neighboring country who, like, becomes a, uh, a character. And so the Silver Phoenix group, like, the group that this, the main character leads... Basically it looks like they they got almost like a letter of mark or something from the king. Like it isn't explicit, but they they pretend they're a company and travel the area where this this war is happening, offering engineering expertise and upgrades to various nations mechs in exchange for getting to keep any mechs that they themselves defeat. Uh the pretense is super duper thin and everyone knows it, but like what are you gonna do about it? <laughs> you know, they've they've got all the super mechs and like giant horse dudes and all this other stuff. I had not so, like, expected. That's... I had not expected.
1: So are they, are they
0: Comcast? Uh,
2: they're they're essentially like if you mixed Comcast with Vladimir Putin's foreign policy, like you'd get the Order of the Silver Phoenix's like uh sh- you know store branch.
0: <laughs> okay, sounds good. <laughs> We're
1: totally not from that nation. Why do you use all of their equipment? <laughs> <laughs> Like, they
2: they call themselves, like, it's something like the the Merchants of the Silver Phoenix or something. I mean, it's super thin. But whatever. Like, that's episode 9. We finally have something to, to sink our teeth into here. Uh, in 10, they decide to go in and rescue the princess uh, and all of her attendants, which they do with their little powered armor suits that he's invented. And shockingly, Kid, who is one of Ernesti's childhood friends, and, like, if you had to pick who the three main characters are, he'd be one of them. Uh, rescues the princess instead of Ernesti, falls in love with her immediately, and swears an oath of knighthood to her. So, like, there's a plot involving characters that aren't Ernesti doing something. It's a miracle. But they don't
0: matter because he's Tenchi.
2: They don't matter because he's Tenchi, but it's fun to watch them anyway. And he's still pretty pretty good. We also finally meet an enemy that may be able to rival Ernesti, uh, another genius that has invented flying ships in this world which has never had anything that has ever been able to fly. Uh, oh wow. So he's super interested in Ernesti's technology because Ernesti does have like limited flight on his mechs like for short periods of time. Whereas this he's guy like, has I guess you
0: watched Gundam Seed, bitch. I know how to fly.
2: Exactly. And like this guy's like, Well I have you know permanently levitating ships that can actually fly anywhere they want, and they he can drop mechs out of them. So like that's why they're winning so easily against all these other countries, is they have essentially mech paratroopers And no one else has anything even close. Scott,
0: all I can hear, I'm so sorry, is like, yo dog, I heard you (laughs) like mechs. So I put mechs in your mechs and they fall out of my levitating mechs.
2: It's true. The levitate ship, as it is called in English, just drops mechs everywhere. Uh, So the stage is finally set for some interesting times. Like they meet each other sort of like on the battlefield. And he's like, oh my God, I must know what's going on. And Ernesti's like, oh my God, I have to know what this is. Uh, So... And the narrator guy is like, and this would be the beginning of the Great Western Conflict, because of these two geniuses. So, we actually do finally have possibly a minor road bump in Ernesti's like path to glory.
0: <laughs> it's Dexter versus um, Mandark. Mandark, yes.
2: So good Ugh. times, good times, and knights and magic. Uh, yeah, cool. That's... Sounds
1: like things are starting to come to a head.
2: Yeah, which which awesome. they should, like we finally have an actual challenge for this, this kid and his amazing prowess.
1: Fingers crossed.
0: Yeah. All right, anyone got anything else? Are we good?
1: I think it's time to play us out.
0: All right, time to wrap us up. So, guys, um, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with another bi weekly podcast in two weeks. Um, most importantly, look forward to the fact that we're somehow going to force Dan to write a fan fiction that incorporates every single one of our shows because they all seem to be aligning. Why don't you do that and to me? Coinciding with each other. And better involve Dan, lizards. Just, because you're not watching lizards. Simpo Gear yet, which is the show of the season. Boom. Okay.
1: <laughs> Whatever helps you sleep at night, guys. All
0: right. Yeah, yeah. All right. Catch you next time, everyone. We're out. See ya. This is a podcast by The Con Artists. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to us on iTunes or your Android podcast app of choice. For more anime and game related content, please visit us online at TheConArtistsBlog.com. Thanks for listening.